I believe everything you said. And um, I don't take it lightly when I'm invited to speak to God's people. I don't. It's a privilege. It's a great honor. But beyond the privilege, beyond the honor, it's a responsibility. Hear this. To not just stand before you and say just anything or just present to you what I have preached somewhere else. I want what God has for you. And that's exactly what I believe the Lord will give to you today. So I... When I got invited, I said, I would need to pray about it. I didn't even respond for the next 24 to 48 hours. Because I want to know whether God has a word through me for you. Beyond the privilege, beyond the honor, there is a responsibility to receive from him and give to you. And that's what the Lord has helped me to do. So, I thank the Lord for the privilege and the honor that Pastor Gary, Pastor Terry, Pastor Dan have given me to even be able to share the word with you. And I want to begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we so much thank you for your church. We thank you because the Bible tells us you're the one building your church. And your word says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, you know what I just told your people is the truth. And I asked you to give me a word for them. I believe, Lord, you've given me that word. Beyond asking you to give me a word, I asked you more. In the closet. So I'm going to ask of you, Lord God, Through the enablement of your Holy Spirit, you cause a release of your word to your people today. And let it accomplish what you have ordained it to accomplish. And at the end, take all the glory. In Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. You know, before I get into the world, I, I want to appreciate the worship team. Uh, I know we do that all the time. I even went to see them before the service started. I learned that from a pastor many, 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 many years ago. But, you know, usually when I'm invited to speak, at times I, I get a song. But this time around, I just didn't feel like telling the choir or the worship team what song. I didn't talk to them. But you know what happened? One of the songs they sang today was a song I felt led of asking them to sing. That's a reflection of, usually for me, in my own walk with Jesus, is a confirmation. of this relationship with the Lord. But then, after the song, I feel like asking you, I mean, 
just one or two questions. I like sports, you know, I was actively involved in sports when I was in high school. Like, even when my kids were in high school as well, I would go to literally all their games. My baby got to the state finals in track and um, also in tennis, was actively involved. I mean, even in the Pasadena School District. So I like sports. And I love that the Bible also gets us to draw some insights from sports. So the title of our message today is Half Time. And I'm going to tell you why it's half time in a moment. But then I want to ask you a question, this question. Anybody in the audience, if you have an answer, you can just indicate by raising your hand and then telling me, what do coaches and players do in the locker room during halftime? I'm not talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm talking about what do players and coaches do in their locker room during halftime? What? Remind them what they're doing is right during the game. Thank you. Encourage, Encourage and motivate. Thank you. Any more? Pray. Pray. Pray for them as well. If you're blessed with a Christian and a godly coach. All right. Who else? Something more. Something more. Excellent. I love that. They adjust. They make some changes. You want to win the game. You don't just want to win the half. You want to win the game. So you use the halftime in a strategic way. Anybody else who has another idea? They remind each other that they are a team. They won. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Bless you. They correct their mistakes. Because if you keep repeating the mistakes, you're going to lose the game. Any more? I love that. Hydrate. Hydrate. You know what? Church family, I know you know this, but I'm going to say it and remind you. This week we're entering to marks the end of the first half of 2022. And the beginning of the second half of 2022, this is half time. This is the time for you to do all those things you had. Rehydrate where you are getting dehydrated. Make changes, make adjustments. Motivate, inspire yourself. All that has been listed. You may then ask me, Remy, why? The reason why I'm interested in this, because God told me to share this message with you this morning. And I'm going to, and I'm going to start with that scripture. Two scriptures, actually. In Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Joshua 18, verses 1 and 2. When you hear what God says here, you'll be amazed. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. Hear this, verse 2. But... There were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. What God told me, seven is, how many tribes in Israel? How many? So seven is majority. God told me that that is a reflection of our congregation. At the beginning of 2022, God gave some promises to us, to you and I. 
and some of you in your closet, in your time with the Lord, you, you had some goals set. Your expectations of what you wanted God to do for you and your loved ones and your family and your friends, in your business, in your ministry, in your career, in 2022. Well, there are some seven tribes in the family who have not taken possession of their God-given possession. That breaks God's heart. There's some in the church this morning. God sent me to you to give you seven strategies. Seven strategies to possess your possessions. Seven biblical insights and strategies. Well, let me read the second scripture. And that's from Proverbs 16. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Talking about the seven strategies. Talking about the seven, number one, seven strategies and insights for victorious Christian living, for inheriting, for possessing, for receiving, for claiming, for experiencing, for beginning to enjoy all the God-given promises and covenants he has made for you and I. Number one, begin with praising God and celebrating his love, his faithfulness, his grace, his doings in your life and family during the first half of 2022. And I'm going to read from Psalm 103, from verse 1 to verse 5. I love David. That's why he's a psalmist. He's a good example for us in praising God. I read. He said, praise the Lord, my soul. He's talking to himself. Talking to his soul. You've got to praise this God. And all my inmost being, praise his holy name. If you want to inherit what God has promised you, begin with this. It works. Begin with this. He says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and everything inside of me. Praise his holy name. No, praise, verse 2. Say, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I'm going to show you in scripture the danger of forgetting his benefits. That will change your paradigm to, from today and forever. Well, let's go ahead. Verse 3. It says, who forgives all your sins? It starts listing some of the benefits. You and I can relate to that. At least I can. He forgives all my sins. He didn't talk about who forgives. He said, who forgives all your sins? And he heals all your diseases. Not in the past. He heals all your diseases. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit? At times when I read that, I feel like jumping up to really celebrate. Amen. And crowns you with love and compassion. Verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with good things. He doesn't just satisfy your desire. He satisfies them with good things. Hear this so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
That is the first thing you need to do if you want to. Inherit God-given promises. Possess your possessions. If you are among the seven tribes out of the twelve, who you know indeed, the first half of this year is ending. I can't even account for it. I don't even know how those six months have gone. God sent me to you today. The first thing he told me to tell you is this. Acknowledge, celebrate, praise him for what he has done. And then I'm going to explain to you also, reading from Psalm 78, 78. That was the one that blew my mind when I first stumbled across this scripture some years ago. You know, it's so interesting to, to discover. It's so interesting to discover from scripture. I'm going to read it. Psalm 78 from verse 9 to verse 11. It says, the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. Why did they turn back? Why did they turn back on the day of battle? They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. Why? Did they refuse to live by his law? Verse 11 gives us the reason. They forgot what he had done. The wonders he had shown them. Whenever God's people forget what God has done, even when they are harmed for battle, they turn away from battle. Even when God has made provisions for them, they turn away from God's provision. That is the lot of those who forget what God has done. And God told me there are people in, in this sanctuary this morning, and even those hearing online this morning, you have forgotten what God has done for you. You have forgotten what he has done for your family. You have forgotten what he has done for your spouse. You have forgotten what he has done for your kids. You've forgotten what he has done for your, some of your grandchildren. So the first thing you need to do in appreciating and acknowledging God, you need to remember what he has done. You may then ask me, Remy, how do I remember what he has done? Celebrate the small wins. If that is one of those things you will take away from this message today, take it away. I'm going to unpack it for you in a little bit, both from Scripture and from, from my own research and from my own life. Celebrate the small wins. Don't wait until the big wins come before you celebrate. Don't. My, our kids, they're young adults now. They, they taught my wife and I about this. They know dad. They know me that once I get something done, I'm looking, at the next, I'm looking for the next one. I'm working on the next, next task. I said, dad, enjoy the moment. Celebrate the small wins. Even the Bible says so. Zechariah, even if it's small. The Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, who dares despise the day of small things? Some of us in the audience have, have been despising the small things. You're waiting for the big wins before you celebrate. The Lord is correcting you and I this morning. Celebrate the small wins. If you want to, to inherit God-given covenant promises and for you, learn, cultivate a lifestyle, a culture of, of celebrating the small wins. Zechariah, who dares? That's what, that's what the Bible is saying. Ask him. Who dares despise the day of small things? 
your granddaughter, your grandson, or your son or your daughter graduated from preschool, celebrate. 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 Celebrate the small ways. You have a business and a client showed up this week when no client showed up last week. Celebrate. You read something. It says, since the seven eyes of the law that ring throughout the earth, we rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the land of Zerubbabel. Don't despise, don't despise small things. Don't. Even in your children, don't. They come home, maybe they came last time, it was a, it was a D grade. And now they came with a B grade. Or a secret, celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate small wins. Why do we need to celebrate small wins? This is motivational, like we said when we were talking about halftime. It motivates towards the ultimate goal. John Cotter is a leading scholar in Harvard University who has written many books. I used his books for my PhD research 20, some, 20 years ago. And he, he, he wrote this. That celebrating small wins drives progress with, I mean, he says drive progress with short-term wins. If you want to drive your progress, recognize and celebrate short-term wins. Remember that life is a journey. Remember also that career is a journey. Marriage is also a journey. Enjoy the journey by celebrating the small wins along the way, even in your marriage, in your career, in your business. All right, number two. Strategy, biblical strategy for victorious Christian living. Stay where God has placed and planted you. And I will explain that also from Scripture. In Jeremiah, it talks about in this land. In this land. Jeremiah 42, from verse 9 to verse 12. He said to them, this is what the Lord, this is not Jeremiah. This is what the Lord. This is not Remy. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition. I can say that to you. I believe when I was invited to speak, I was not just invited to speak. I was sent to the Lord to receive from the Lord his word for his people. So I am telling you exactly what is written here in Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petitions, says. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. Let's say amen to that. Amen. Can you say louder amen to that? Amen. It says, I will plant you and not uproot you. For I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. There are some in the audience today who are going through some challenging times. God sent me to tell you what I just read. He says it will build you up. He says it will build you up. And not tear you down. Whatever is attempting to tear you down is walking against God. And you know the result of walking against God. That thing is going to fail. I say amen to that. 
whatever is trying to, whoever is trying to tear you down, is going to fail. Because God says he will build you up. Verse 11. Say, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. When I read this, I read it over and over again. I read it Tuesday. I read it Wednesday last week. I read it Thursday. I read it Friday. I read it yesterday. What, Lord, what do you mean by this? He said what he wrote. There are some, Bab- there are some Babylons in the lives of some, of some God's people that some of us are afraid of. God sent me to tell you today, don't be afraid of him. And it gives you the reason. It said, do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save and deliver you from his hand. Say amen to that. Amen. Whatever or whoever that Babylon represents, God says he will deliver you. It could be an infirmity. It could be a sickness. It could be, it could be an attack. It could be spiritual. It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be financial. It could be material. Whatever it is, God says clearly here, I will deliver you from his So in summary, God says, I will build you up and not tear you down. Number number three, God says, I will plant you and not uproot you. Number two, about where to stay, stay in the, stay with the sheep. Stay with the sheep. This is not the time to jump sheep. Stay with the sheep. Stay with the sheep. Turn to your neighbor. Stay with the sheep. Turn to your neighbor, the person on your right or your left. Just tell the person, stay with the sheep. Okay, look the person on the face and say it again. Okay, say it one more time. Okay, say it like somebody who means it. Amen. Just stay with the sheep. And that's from New Testament. That's, that was... The word God gave Paul to, to some people who were on the same trip with him. And God made me realize you're on a trip with various people in your family. And some of you are on a trip with various people in your business, your business relationship. Some, some of you are in, on a trip with various people in ministry. It reads, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. You know what God is telling me here? Some of us might have, might have even disobeyed God. And he told me that yesterday. Some of us might have disobeyed God. Like all of us have at one time or the other. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Let's say amen to that. Yeah. Only the sheep will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Verse 24, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Verse 27, on the 14th night, 
we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that they were the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took sounding again and found it was 90 feet deep. And then verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stem and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to <laughs> lower the anchors from the boat. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, they cannot be saved. So the soldiers caught the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Paul said, stay in the ship. Stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. I don't know what the ship represents in your life, but that's what God sent me to tell you. That's what God sent me to tell you. Don't give up. I think I wrote it down there uh, in the slides. One, don't give up on life. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Stay with the ship. Some are giving up on life today. Some are giving up on their, on their families today. Some are giving up on their spouses today. Some, some are even giving up on their children. And some children are giving up on their parents today. They're disconnected from their parents entirely. God sent me to you. Even if you are not in the auditorium, you are, you're online, you're hearing this. God said, your victory is in staying with the ship. Even if you have disobeyed before. Stay with the ship. Some are even changing churches, thinking that is the solution. God said, stay with ship. Stay. I don't know how it applies to you, but he sent me to tell you and one thing I do believe, I can't explain it to you, for about three days, I have, I do a prayer walk, a praise and prayer walk in my neighborhood of about one and a half to two miles every day. And I just found myself in the last three, four days praying about this service I'm praying the Spirit. That he will explain to you however this message applies to you. But let's move on. The promises are the following. God is going to rescue you and your family. Let's say amen to that. Irrespective of what you are going through now, God is going to rescue you and your family. Number two. God is going to rescue you and your team or business. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on ministry. Don't give up on marriage. Don't give up on career. Don't give up on your business. And then Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus himself speaking there says, the Bible says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Don't give up. So, Strategy number three, before our time runs out. Strategy number one, you need to learn to praise God and celebrate small wins and God's faithfulness, God's love, God's grace, and doings in your life, in your family. Number two, stay where God has planted you or placed you. Number three, bless and help other people. You want to inherit God's promises for you? 
I'm going to read a scripture for you that blew my mind when I first read it. And it keeps challenging me as well. It's not just praying. It's also blessing other people. So I'm going to read. And from the message version. That's Proverbs 11 verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, when I, when I got to this point, the Holy Spirit reminded me some, and some, some of the Some of us in the church will remember this, uh, who have been working with Jesus for some time. But I know this, some of you even who, are, who, are, who have been working with the Lord just recently will also understand this. But let me tell you what God told me to tell you. This is it. When you come to church on Sundays like this, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. Look for people that God wants you to bless. It's great to shake hands. I love it. It's great to hug. I love it as well. But you know what? There are people in, the, in this church family, in this church family, who need a little bit more than that. And if you and I would take time to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I've seen that happen, if you and I would take time to listen to the Holy Spirit, God would talk to you. Give 50 bucks or 100 bucks to, to this person. And at times, let me be honest with you, there are those in this sanctuary who are doing that. God told me to say this out loud and clear today. Because it's part of the strategy for your breakthrough. I'm going to read a scripture for you in Job about this as well. And I can explain it further. It could be, you could even, God can tell you so that the person will not be thanking you every Sunday. God can tell you, you know what? Just put this in an envelope and drop it with Jeremy. Anonymous. God told me, for example, when I was coming this morning, God told me to, be, to, to drop something to the church office that somebody will come today or this week to the church office with a need. I don't want the person to thank me. I want the person to thank Jesus. Dropping it anonymously in the, in the church office. It's not a tithe. It's not offering. You want the breakthrough? Help some other people. The next scripture, that's number four. Not only should you bless and help other people, pray for them. Job 42, verse 10. I came across this scripture probably over 30 years ago. It, it has changed my prayer life. I'll read it first. After Job had prayed for his friends, after the Lord, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had, he had before. That was Job who lost everything. There was some whining and complaining with friends, with families. He lost everything. The Bible says his breakthrough came after he did what? He prayed for his friends. That changed my prayer life, and I had it from also Billy Graham many, many years ago. So that in order not to make my prayer only focus on myself every day, 
my wife and our kids know this. I segmented each day of the week. I have a focus. Saturday, I pray for Christians, friends. So it's not about me on Saturday. It's not about me and my family on Saturday. You need to know that some of your breakthroughs are waiting for you to pray for other people. Stop praying for yourself only. I don't know if God is sending me to somebody today. You have fasted. You have prayed. Pastors, pastors, not just pastors. Pastors have prayed for you. Friends have prayed for you. But you have not prayed for friends. It's all, it has been all about you. After Job prayed for his friends, not only did the Lord restore, God said the Lord gave him twice. I'll leave it there. Number five. So in addition to blessing and helping other people and praying for others, you too now need to pray for yourself. Number five, and in praying for yourself, inquire of the Lord. Second Samuel, from verse, that's chapter five, from verse 17. I read, when the Philistines had that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force for, to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold, verse 18. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Then, verse 19, so David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? Let's cultivate this lifestyle of inquiry from the Lord. The Lord answered him. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it. If you take time to ask, he will answer. If you take time to ask, he's faithful, he will answer. The Lord answered him, said, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines to your hands. Before you embark on any project, inquire from the Lord. Verse 20. So David went to Baal, Perizim, and there he defeated them. He said, as what has break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal, Perizim. That's celebrating small wins. He celebrated the small wind there. But let's, let's move on. The Philistines abandoned their hiders there, and David and his men carried them off. Verse 22. Once more, the Philistines came, and came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Verse 23. So David again inquired of the Lord. And as again, the Lord answered. He said, do not go straight up. That's why it's good to, to inquire of the Lord. He said, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as we hear the sound of, you know. Okay, let me just jump to verse 25 because of time. So David did as the Lord commanded him. And he struck down the Philistines. All the way. All the way. The lesson we're learning from this, one, you to take time to inquire from the Lord. Take time to inquire from the Lord. Take time to pray. But then, number two, be open to change. You find out the strategy they used in the previous war was different from the strategy they used here. So you and I should be open to change. You should be open to change from the Lord. And that's what I call strategy number six. Be open to change of strategy, change of approach. Strategy number seven, which we are going to close with before we pray. When I saw this too, some years ago, I can't even remember when, I can't remember how, 
but it has transformed my relationship with my superiors at work, my supervisors at work. In Proverbs 27, this strategy seven is protect your employer or your supervisor. And this is Proverbs 27, 18. It said, the one who bears a fig tree will eat its fruit. Whoever protects their master will be honored. Protect your master. Protect your master. You know, church family, I think some of you probably know it. Some of you don't know. God has favored me in life. Some of you don't need me to tell you that. You know it already. I can't explain it to you. Everywhere I've walked, God has lifted me up. Everywhere. To his own glory. I follow this word. I honor my masters. Whether when I was in investment banking, whether when I was in consulting, whether when I was in Christian nonprofit, whether in ministry that I've been forever, whether in the academy, God has consistently lifted me up. I believe in the scripture. And I give him the glory. That is the strategy, numbers, that the Lord gave me to, sh to share with you. Learn to be faithful to your supervisors. Learn to be godly. Learn to be humble. I had Rick Warren say this some, some months ago. Some of you will know it as well. You know that people think when you're humble and you're meek, you're weak. So meekness is, Rick Warren said, meekness is not weakness. You know what it is? Strength under control. When you see somebody who is meek, <laughs> don't take him or her for granted. Many people have taken me for granted, of course, to their own. Detriment. God honors the meek. God lifts us the humble. Meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. You want to, at the end of 2022, you want to inherit all that God has promised and reserved and preserved for you, stay humble, stay meek, celebrate the small, small wins, acknowledge God's favor in your life, God's doings in your lives. Remember his benefits. Stay where he has planted you. Stay in the ship. Stay in the land. Bless and help other people. Pray for other people. Pray for yourself. Inquire from the Lord. Get direction from him. Get a mandate from him before you proceed or pursue anything. Be open to change. Protect. Respect. Your supervisors. Remember that Meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. But I want to conclude reading for you a scripture which I read, and the Lord told me to read it again. I read it maybe some time ago in this church. And it's going to be from, I mean, before I, before I read the scripture, the conclusion is this. Completion of all, all these seven strategies. Learn to wait on the Lord. Wait for him. For your, for your breakthrough. 
learn to wait for him. And Isaiah, let's read Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse, it's a scripture that many of us know very well. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you to learn to wait upon the Lord depending on the Holy Spirit. All the way. Depending on the Holy Spirit, all the way. In verse 31 of Isaiah 40, it says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If it's okay with you, can you just stand on your feet because I want us to do this? I was asking the Lord, how do you want me to end this service, this, this speaking this morning? And this is what he told me we should do. You can stand, but if you cannot, you can just sit where you are. So, so some, Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord, or those who wait in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And then, the second scripture, which is from the message version. That's Romans. The message version. So for in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Okay? Verse 26. Say, in the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And then, and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know, I'm going to read it for you from the message, except if they, if they can help us get with the message. I want it in the message version. Romans 8 in the message version. Sorry, I'm going to keep you standing for a little bit longer. Romans 8, if you're there, Romans 8. And I'm going to read from verse 24 in the message version. Are you there? All right, I'm going to read. Okay. Okay, it says this. This is the message version. So that is why waiting does not diminish us. Waiting will not diminish you. Say amen to that, somebody. Amen. Waiting will not diminish you. Say amen, somebody. Amen. See, waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. The women in the house know the meaning of that. They're waiting for the day of delivery. But what happens while they are waiting? The Bible goes further to tell us. He said, We are enlarged. In the waiting, they just get bigger. They're waiting for the baby to come out, but the baby is growing inside. Your vision is not going to die. Say amen to that, somebody. Amen. Your vision will grow. So your waiting will not diminish you. You'll be enlarged in your waiting. Just as a pregnant woman is enlarged in the waiting. Hear this. This is from the Bible, the message version. But it said, but the longer we wait, the larger we become. Hear this. And it says, the more, the longer we, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Keep waiting. 
the larger you become, the more joyful your expectancy. Keep waiting. But hear this. Let's read more from the Message Bible, verse 26. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is alongside helping us along. So it's okay to be tired in waiting. Turn to your neighbor. Say, it's okay to be tired. Turn to your, the person on your right or left. Say, it's okay to be tired. Say it. Say it. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be tired. God is giving you the license to be tired. But he says when you're tired, the Holy Spirit is what? Comes alongside of you and I. And he says, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making our prayer out of wordless sighs, our aching groans, he knows us far better than we know ourselves. Knows our pregnant condition. You know, when you have a vision, when you have a need, you are pregnant. You have an expectation. That's the expectation. Carry your need. Carry your vision as a pregnancy. That's, I don't have enough time to, to share this with you. Go to Revelation chapter 12. That was where I caught the, caught the understanding of making my vision to become my, a pregnancy. I nurture it, and God will bring it forth. God will stop anything that will hinder the pregnancy from coming forth. But that's a different, another day. Let's go. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. So, waiting. Waiting. God, that's what God wants us to do. But I'm going to read Psalm 130. Uh, you know, I apologize for keeping waiting there. I'll pray. Keep you standing, brother. It says in Psalm 130 from verse 5 to verse 7. It says, I wait for this. This is David again. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. So keep waiting for the Lord. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Verse 7 which is the last verse we're reading today for this service. It says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Let's say amen to that. Okay, just, if it's okay with you, can you just join hands with the person next to you? I want to pray for you. What the Lord wants me to tell you is this. When you get home, take those steps. Pray for friends. Help people. Inquire from the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your word you have given to us today. We pray you confirm your word in our lives. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. You can let go of your hands before. Let's still close our eyes. One more thing. Just one more thing. He told me to do this. He told me to do this. Let's close our eyes. And he told me to do this also for those online. If you are here today and say, Remy, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus to even inquire from him. Can you pray for me? Whether you're in the sanctuary or you're online. God told me to pray for you. And that's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity. Just raise up your right hand where you are. And I'll pray for you. Father, all eyes closed, including my own eyes. All eyes closed. Father, we thank you for those who sent a help. Both online and in the sanctuary. We pray in the name of Jesus that you restore relationship or establish relationship and strengthen their relationship with Jesus such that they too will be able to follow your lead and possess their possessions. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen.
Thanks, Coach.